1: Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. This is episode 18 of season three. We have a very special guest with us today, Jordan Gardner, who is a uh, soccer club owner and uh, very involved in the sports industry and so happy that he's with us today. So, uh, Jordan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeremy. Appreciate it. My pleasure. So, um, you've got uh, a very deep history in the sports industry. Can you tell us a little bit about your involvement with the um, uh, with the different soccer clubs that you have. Obviously, uh, you've got some deep ties with the Danish soccer team, uh, with an Irish soccer team, and then of course uh, with an English soccer team. So you can kind of tell us about um, how you got your sort of start into sports and, and what you're doing now.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I uh, I played soccer growing up, pretty close to a professional level, not quite. And then um, I started a when I was in college in the kind of live entertainment, um, ticketing and sports and technology space. So I kind of took a step back from uh, the soccer path. And then when I sold my business for six years to kind of get back into the sport, um, so I was able, fortunately, through my connections to make some kind of strategic investments in the sport, which led to a point where we're at now, where I'm uh, controlling interest of a club in Denmark. So I'm, I'm a small minority, minority shareholder in Swansea City, uh, which is a club in the United Kingdom. I'm a minority shareholder in Dundalk Football Club, which is in the Republic of Ireland. And then the project I spend all my time on is, um, FC Helsinger, which is a club in Denmark in the Danish first division. And I'm the chairman and owner of that club. And I run all the day-to-day management of that club on a daily basis.
1: Wow. No, that's great. I mean, um, you know, most people look to maybe getting involved in one club and you've got three. so <laughs> It's great. Right. Um, yeah. I think
0: my, my wife is like, no more, no more club investments. You gotta, you gotta exit from one of these before you do another one. So, I mean, luckily for me, uh, in terms of operational involvement, it's all all in Denmark. My other, I'm just an LP and the other two investments, but it's cool to be a part of different clubs with different models in different countries.
1: No, definitely. Um, and then, of course, uh, as a side gig, so to speak, you're also a partner in a, in a, in a pretty big wine company as well, right?
0: Yeah. So, uh, we have, uh, three acres and, uh, vineyards in Argentina and Mendoza, which we bought with a group of friends and we've had that for about 10 years. It's a relatively small operation. Mostly our dividends is wine, but, uh, it's a fun project. It gives us an excuse to go down to Argentina. It's kind of in some ways owning, uh, like owning a soccer club. It's like, you know, there's more, there's definitely a passion component to it and it's, it's really fun and interesting. Um, but yeah, no, it's it 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 merges in well with a lot of the stuff I do in the soccer world because you know the the wine and soccer culture kind of overlap a lot,
1: right? Right, I can see that. And then Jordan, talk a little bit about like your um your sort of process in terms of how did you get involved with becoming an owner of the Danish club, and maybe talk a little bit about some of your day to day responsibilities there.
0: Yeah, so um, you know, making those kind of strategic minority investments first, I think was really smart. I was able to spend a lot of time on the ground both in Ireland and in the UK, understanding what was working at these clubs and what wasn't. I think a lot of American groups make a lot of mistakes when they go into European football because it's so culturally different than North American sports. And so um, you know, I after years of being on the ground on and off in Europe, I felt like the time was right to buy a controlling interest of a club and I wanted to go into a place where it was relatively easy to do business where the language and the culture maybe wasn't so jarring for an American. And so you know, Denmark, everyone speaks English, you know, uh, it's Scandinavia. So businesses generally are well-run. You know, we had looked at clubs in France and Spain, Italy and the cultural differences, and the language differences were pretty significant. Um, so that's really why I identified Denmark and I put together an investment group of a lot of people I knew here uh, where I'm located which is in the San Francisco Bay area, several guys who have investments in the NBA and MLS. Um, guys that really want to kind of get their feet wet in Europe and, but didn't want to go ahead and buy a Premier league club and have that huge kind of risk. So I think for us, you know, my kind of investment thesis is really like, you know, treating investment in sports like any other business where you kind of start small, prove that you can uh, run a, run a successful efficient business and then you can scale upwards. And so, you know, we've had a lot of success in Denmark. It's been two years, got the club promoted. We're in the top four right now in the Danish uh, first division, which is great. So I think at some point in the next 12 months, we'll probably be looking to scale what we're doing.
1: Okay. And then uh, with regard to sort of, I mean, obviously the Danish club is in its own league, right? And of course, um, um, the the club in the UK is obviously in the Premier League. Uh, is And then it, which kind of brings up this point of, this whole idea of the super league had come up. Right. And, you know, obviously you have the champions league. So I imagine the Danish club and, and the other clubs that you're with play within that, that champions league. Uh, what sort of your thoughts on the, the, the sort of fallout of the super league and how it was promoted and how it was pushed forward and, and sort of how you feel that it fits or doesn't fit within uh, the sort of soccer universe.
0: Yeah think um you know it's been talked about at length in terms of how poor the rollout was from the owner's group in terms of launching the product from a pr standpoint from a branding from a narrative standpoint so i mean you know, i don't i don't think there's too much more to say on that in terms of how poorly the rollout was because it was awful um you know i don't one thing i think americans don't really understand or have a tough time wrapping their head around is how um you know the, the european football it's so you know um the gap between the rich and the poor and the best and the worst clubs is so significant. You know, I think because of, you know, the franchise model in North America and salary caps and wage restraints and that kind of revenue sharing, you don't have as much of that. Yeah. Of course you have big market, small market situations in certain North American sports, but you know, the gap between Real Madrid and the 20th team in La Liga can be five, six, seven hundred million $700 million in revenue potentially. So, you know, I think you're always going to have the biggest clubs looking for a bigger slice of the pie, especially when, you know, it's debatable, but when, you know, in their, uh from their perspective, they're bringing the most value to the television partners and interest in the sports In the sport um, they're always wanting to put, take more of the pie in this European super league uh, idea, I think was the thought process was we're going to take as much of the revenue as we can. And we're going to de-risk it by making, you know, removing the merit-based component in terms of you have to finish in a certain position in your league to qualify right now for European competition, like the champions league. So I don't think the concept is necessarily going away. I think the idea of it being a completely separate competition is going to be difficult for them to launch, but the current structure of the champions league already gives a lot of the most revenue and the most, um, access to the biggest clubs. And that's probably going to only continue going into the future.
1: Wow. Yeah. And you, you are right. I mean, it's so funny. The structure overseas, it's, it's something that a a lot of Americans are not familiar with unless you're, you're sort of a big sports fan. Right. And, or at least a big soccer fan. And it, it, you brought up some really good points there with regard to like money, because I know several American owners uh, who were involved with some clubs in Premier League and in other leagues overseas um, were primarily pushing for this. And I think, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but some of that I think probably comes out of the fact that in a lot of American sports, there's a lot, there's a lot more parity, or at least they push more for that where you have, Um, you know, essentially you might have revenue sharing or you might have, um, you know, people can't pick off so many sort of free agents or else they end up losing draft picks. There's a lot of different things that are going on there that maybe are not the case in sort of overseas soccer. Is that kind of how you see that too?
0: Yes, 100%. The, you know, European soccer and global soccer is kind of this wild west um, in terms of the movement of players. And, you know, there's things like financial fair play, which were put in place to try to keep costs under control, which are really not enforced. So, yeah, you have this kind of... you know, raw capitalistic model where the biggest and best clubs survive the ones who have the most money survive. And even if they make bad decisions, they can basically do whatever they want. Where in North America, right. You have a lot of strong, uh, you know, league governance and, you know, cost controls in place. Absolutely. The systems could not be further, uh, you know, further, further ends of the spectrum in terms of the way they operate. Wow.
1: Yeah. And it's, it, it's, it's interesting, right? Cause I think, there was an article that was written a while back and it was entitled something like the Americanization of, of soccer. And, and of course it makes sense that as you get more owners like Stan Kroenke and um, and obviously the owners of the Boston Red Sox and Fenway sports group, these types of folks who are used to the American model to go overseas and try to influence that. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I think how that's all going to play out. I mean, what do you, what do you kind of think about the the Super League going forward? I mean, do you think it's pretty much dead on arrival? Do you think there's any chance that uh, something like that might uh, sort of peer its head again?
0: I think it's going to be after this misstep. I think it's going to be very difficult for a kind of breakaway competition to launch successfully after what's happened in the backlash. Like I said, I think what most likely will happen is those stakeholders will try to mold the existing infrastructure, Champions League, for instance, into more of an American model. And that means more guaranteed places for clubs, more guaranteed revenue for the biggest clubs. I think that was already happening a little bit before this discussion, and it's only going to you know, continue into the future. The, the two most important things, I think, for these American groups is that, They don't want, they want to de-risk their investment, right? Arsenal right now, last I checked was in ninth place in the Premier League, so they're not qualifying for European competition right now and that's going to cost them tens of millions of dollars. If I'm Arsenal, I want to have a system in place where I automatically qualify every single year to get that guaranteed revenue, right? So I think that's a huge factor um and, and obviously the second piece is just the, the revenue aspect of it is you know to be fair to them it's difficult to budget when your revenue can be so variable year over year depending on your performance in north america your revenue is pretty pretty uh flat based on you know depending on the competition you know, you have your media rights and your game day and whether you finish 16th in the nba or fourth in the nba yeah you might sell more tickets but it's basically the same in europe it's so drastically different so I think those American owners in particular are going to continue to push to try to mold these competitions in the, in, in a way that they, not just that they're familiar with, but a way that they can de-risk their investment. And look, I I think if anyone was in their place, they would probably try to do the same thing. Although after this current situation, I think they're going to be up against a lot
1: of backlash and they're going to have a difficult time, at least in the short term. Right. Yeah. No. And it highlights your point earlier, Jordan, about, you know, your advice about investing into professional sports teams. It's, this idea of sort of starting small and sort of working on ways to, um, you know, gain influence or sort of, um, gain interest over time, but definitely taking your time, especially in a, in European soccer, where there's not as much parity. And, and like you mentioned, it's kind of like the wild west. So, uh, fascinating stuff there. Let's take, uh, Jordan, if, if, uh, if you don't mind, we'll take a quick commercial break and then we'll be right back and we'll talk about, um, for the last question we have for you today. It's time to to make your outdoor experiences better with Kanan. Kanan sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code kanancast 15 at kanan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's kanancast 15 Kanan clearly better. All right, folks, we're back. We have Jordan Gardner with us today. He is a um, very well-known sports figure and uh, somebody who uh, is involved uh, with three different ownership groups, uh, particularly a a Danish soccer club. And we've been talking about the Super League. We've been talking about uh, ownership in general and uh, the differences between Uh, let's say American sports leagues and um, European sports leagues, particularly in the soccer realm and how in Europe, there's a lot less parity between uh, the first and the last place teams, as opposed to let's say United States where you could be the last place, you know, basketball team and still make similar amounts of money based on television contracts and uh, some of the revenue that's coming in. So Jordan, I appreciate you being with us. And sort of the last question for today is really what do you kind of see as the the future of entertainment, media, and sports? And it can be specific to international soccer or just sort of some of the trends that you're seeing uh, in entertainment, media, sports.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that people are quietly starting to talk about is that we're kind of starting to see the end of the line when it comes to COVID and the impact on the industry. And of course, it's not gone away, but you know, certainly here in North America, more and more people are vaccinated. People are starting to attend live events from mark we've last Friday was the first match that we had fans back in the stadium so I think that bodes really well for the growth of not just interest in media rights but the franchise valuations and investment opportunities in the sport uh, not just in soccer but across sports so I think it'll be really interesting to see the next 12 months um, as we kind of come out the other side of COVID look like but I'm very optimistic that we're going to continue to see growth, um, again, both on the media rights side and the, uh, and the which is obviously the side
1: I'm more focused on. Wow. Okay. And then, um, I guess in terms of like, I guess one interesting co- caveat is that, you know, in Europe, I guess the gambling sort of betting, betting aspect is so much more prevalent or common. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. I guess the United States it's, it's, uh, it's sort of this new phenomenon. Is that is that sort of a, a true sort of a uh, statement there?
0: Yeah, I mean, you could you go to an English Premier League game and you're sitting in the VIP lounge and they pass around sheets that you can bet on the game, right? Or you can go to the kiosk outside the stadium, or you can bet on a phone while you're watching the game. The lines come up and they show betting app, uh, you know, betting odds, right? Now, obviously, that's starting to happen in the United States, but. That um, that culture has been in European sports and European soccer for many, many years now. You know, there's a little bit of pushback now in Europe with gambling and some of the negative consequences of it. Some countries are starting to limit or or uh, prohibit uh, certain organizations from gambling sponsorships and having maybe more close to the companies. But that being said, it's a huge, huge revenue driver for European soccer in particular, and. You know, you guys would know more about this than I do, but I think in North America we're already we're just uh, scratching the surface potential growth opportunities for that uh, you know that industry in America.
1: Right. No, good points, and and I think to your point as well, Jordan, about some some of the shortfalls and some of the issues uh, American teams and leagues should be paying attention to. Um, you know, some of the pitfalls, so to speak, with with sort of adding in sports betting. But it's probably another reason why there's been so many. Uh, special purpose acquisition companies or SPACs going on in the United States. I mean, that would venture to be my guess is that a lot of these SPACs really started to come around when um, sports betting became a more prevalent thing. And now you've got, you know, the NFL and NBA doing like specific sports betting broadcast. You've had all kinds of sponsorship things. Um, And it's kind of funny because if you look back at the history there was some pushback, I would say, about four or five years ago before the Supreme Court case on the, the pass vote uh, law was this idea that teams were getting into um, daily fantasy sports. And there was some pushback. I remember that New England Patriots had signed a deal with DraftKings, and they quickly had to um, not sweep the deal under the rug, but they kind of had to push it off because there was some pushback on sports betting before, obviously, a lot of the changes. And uh fascinating your point about being able to sit in a lounge and then getting betting sheets passed to you. Yeah, but sure. but you know, the funny thing is, Jordan is like that's probably gonna be happening here in, you know, no time very soon. You know, yeah. it's it's like what Arizona just passed that law recently that is gonna allow for mobile sports betting and and all the teams are basically all the professional teams in in um in the state of Arizona are going to have, be able to sort of issue licenses or issue the one license for sports betting. But um, I really appreciate you having you on Jordan. And, you know, I know you're a busy guy and uh, just appreciate your time for uh, being on the show. Yep. No problem. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks again, Jordan. All right, folks, that was Jordan Gardner. He is an owner in FC Helsinger, which is a, a Danish club professional soccer club uh, he is also an owner in uh, the Dundalk f- uh, football club which is based in uh, ireland and then lastly he's also a minority investor in the uh, swansea uh, city football club which is obviously in the premier league based in the united kingdom so we were very happy that he was able he was able to join the show and he gave us some great perspective on uh, how to get into an ownership group you know what his day-to-day tasks are, um, sort of things that uh, that he does there. Uh, he gave some advice on sort of investing uh, with with regard to uh, getting into sports ownership, and then lastly we talked about uh, the Super League rollout and some of the fallout from that, and also uh, maybe most importantly some of the major differences between uh, American sports and European sports, particularly with regard to league parity. And being, you know, a first place versus a last place team, and some of the money that gets brought in, and um, how some of the American owners who are buying into uh, European soccer teams and have been involved in European soccer teams are trying to somewhat change the the system there to make it so there's more league parity, or at least to have. Um, some more sort of uh, continuity with, uh, with regard to American sports. So we'll see how that is. And of course, you know, one of the other things that uh, we didn't talk about, but is this idea of relegation, something that's not common here in the United States, but um, we'll sort of see how that plays out going forward and whether that's another thing that American owners uh, will look to push towards uh, either strengthening or getting rid of. So, um, but as we talked with Jordan um, he sort of made it clear that, you know, he thought that the, the rollout of, uh, the super league, uh, was not done in the best way, which I think is, uh, you know, pretty well accepted, uh, amongst folks in the industry, but that also that it would be a sort of a long time coming before something like this would whatever sort of rear its head again. Uh, but that again, I think anytime you sort of have, um, sort of the ending of something, you can learn things from it. So we'll sort of see how the, uh, the owners push forward with regard to uh, Super League and European soccer in general. So again, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. Always happy that uh, you're able to join us. And uh, again, we had on Jordan Gardner uh, for this show. And um, this was for episode 18 of season three and look forward to uh, having you back with us um, next week. Uh, Today was um, Monday, May 3rd. We'll be back on Monday, May 10th. Thank you again. Appreciate you listening in.